and welcome to Myth Monsters. My name's Erin and I'll be your host for these little snack bite-sized podcasts on folklore and mythical monsters from around the world. These podcasts focus on the actual cryptids, folklore and mythic monsters from global mythology rather than focusing on the full stories of heroes and their big adventures. I'll also be dropping in some references that they have to recent culture and where you can see these represented in modern day content so that you can learn more and get as obsessed as I am about these absolute legends of the mythological world. Happy September! Autumn or fall is coming, pumpkin spice lattes will soon be coursing through my veins as my only lifeblood. And as just a reminder to all new listeners this year, I do take a two-week break in September, which I do every six months, usually September-March. So we'll be doing these three episodes for the month, and I'll be off from the 15th of September to the 6th of October for some spooky madness. I usually make up this time by doing a special, and of course there will always be a Halloween special, which should be about half an hour long this year too. But this episode today is The Bee's Knees, because it times perfectly with the release of the Rings of Power series tomorrow, and we are still looking at Tolkien adored monsters this week. Yes, we are looking at elves. I thought it would be funny to follow the dwarfs episode from last week, as they are historic rival races, so I thought it was pretty good timing, I must say. Now, elves have at least two descriptions, and one is definitely more exuberant than the other. I'm going to focus on one of them. I will give you the little bit of the other, but I'm mainly going to think about this one. The first are the traditional elves that you're probably thinking of. These are the beautiful, elegant, and agile humanoid elves that are perfectly reflected within Tolkien's Lord of the Rings, for example. They are stunningly beautiful, and I mean like breathtakingly beautiful, with an equally gorgeous language of their own, elvish. With pointed ears, calming dispositions, incredible wisdom, and unbelievably tall frames, they were truly a sight to behold. They would usually be wearing flowing fabrics like silk or linen, or if they were in armour, it would be beautifully decorated with nature-inspired carvings within chess pieces and weapons. They usually lived within the forests of yore, in breaks in the trees, however, there are different types of this elf, such as light elves, dark elves, wood elves and moon elves as the most popular, and they would all live in their different respective places depending on their race type, and they would usually try and always live within nature. They were also considered to be nature personified. They carried the spirit of a tree, a rock, a mountain, or a lake within their being, very much like Pocahontas and Colours of the Wind, that kind of jazz. They are incredibly agile and fleet-footed, and often have access to magic, including an affinity with animals, which they can ask to assist in day-to-day activities or war, and also medicinal, which could be taken two ways. They were excellent healers, but they could also cause illness in other races who they fought. Speaking of which, they are quite a peaceful race, but they are never ones to run from a fight. Their main weapons consist of bows and arrows, and long samurai-like katana swords to match their elegant dispositions. Violence is actually one of the only two ways that elves can die. They have illness and extreme weather immunity, and need no sleep or food for very long periods of time, and they can only die otherwise from the utmost of despair if they have fully lost the will to live. Otherwise, they have exuberantly long lives, living for literally thousands of years. Within elvish societies, though, elves are experts in anything performing arts. 
poetry, music, theatre are all loved within elvish circles, and due to their animal connections, they are very sworn vegetarians. They're both male and female, very often looking very similar to each other, and they would marry for life, believing in a union of souls. And considering they live for thousands of years, that's a very long time. And that is actually the main cause of their death of great despair, is the death of their partner. However, both male and female elves would be sent to war if required at the time, as they were both considered worthy for fighting. But much like dwarves, they were a very proud and loyal race to their own people. However, due to the differing types and locale of elves, they can be suspicious of those outside of their local council. They were considered very snooty and considered themselves much better than most other races in most cases, so that's why the dwarves and the elves don't really get on, and they do have historic fights throughout modern media, not really throughout history, should we say. But outside of this, I'm going to talk about the other one, the other type, which we all know in the Western world at least, and that's the Christmas elf. I could probably do a whole episode on this, but am I going to? Probably not. I don't really like them. But these little monsters are very small, have pointed ears, and work with Santa in his workshop in the North Pole. They are usually associated with songs, Christmas cheer, and sometimes being put on a shelf, acting as Santa Claus's little minions. And in regards to powers, they just had really good building powers, and sometimes are considered teleporters and shapeshifters to get away with being seen by humans. But either way, I think they're freaky. I'm not even going to give them the time of day on this episode. I might do another one, but I really do doubt it. But anyway, there is actually one more type of elf, and it's the Hoodlefolk, which is a Scandinavian type of elf. They are fantastic creatures, and they are actually very much amazing enough to have their own episode. If you're thinking, I don't know what these elves are, if you've seen the Eurovision movie, you'll know what elves I'm talking about. But we're going to leave that here for now, and we'll get back to those in another episode. To sum it up though, the writer Terry Pratchett wrote in his book Lords and Ladies about elves, Elves are wonderful, they provoke wonder. Elves are marvellous, they cause marvels. Elves are fantastic, they create fantasies. Elves are glamorous, they project glamour. Elves are enchanting, they weave enchantment. Elves are terrific, they beget terror. The thing about words is that meanings can twist, just like a snake. And if you want to find snakes, look for them behind words that have changed their meaning. No one ever said elves are nice. Elves are bad. And we'll get into the good versus bad debate later on. Hello, podcast listeners. As you may have noticed, we are living in troubled times. But in times like these, mankind has always turned to the heavens for help. And that's why we created our podcast, God vs. God. In each episode, we pit two ancient gods against each other. See who has what it takes to come out of retirement. And help save us all. This season, we're exploring wild tales of Greco-Roman deities, their lives and loves, the triumphs and tragedies. From the Titans to the Olympians, from the King of the Gods to the God of Beekeeping, their stories are bizarre, surprising, and often we think quite funny, but mostly bizarre. The final episodes of the season are just weeks away, so now's the time to catch up. Listen to God vs. God on your favorite podcast platform, and as always, may the best God win. So let's move on to etymology. The word elf is a word in its own right. It comes originally from Old English, and that's the word elf, which very literally means elf. 
Now this is spelt with the traditional character of the combined A and E, which mostly was linked to around the time of Alfred I here in England, with names around the time being Ethelfled, Ethelwine, Elfaward, Elfric, for example. It was really popular and they were considered religious names as well. We don't really see much of these names anymore, but if you watch The Last Kingdom, you'll probably recognise a couple of those. They're very Viking names. But once the Middle Ages came in, the use of the combined AE character dropped off within the English language, so it just became Elf on its own. However, it also has a version in Germanic languages, which of course does include the Scandinavian countries, which was Alpha. But the Scandinavian side is actually really important for our history this week, so do remember Alpha. So the history with these monsters starts in England in the 10th century in actually medical journals where elves were mentioned as illness-inflicting tricksters to humans and how you can avoid their attention. Later on in the 10th century up till the 1990s, it was believed that elves could literally send out projectiles of illness and this phenomenon was called elf shots. And this was so wildly believed that it was written about in numerous things, in numerous texts and fun things. So in the 1750s, I found an amazing ode which was written by William Collins. There every herd by sad experience knows how winged with fate their elf-shot arrows fly. When the sick ewe her summer food foregoes, or stretched on earth the heart-smit hyphers lie. So this is where the origin of this monster is found. However, their Norse mythology background is definitely more exciting. Now, remember I said to keep Alpha in your head as the Germanic language name? Now, within the Norse mythology world, we also have a realm called Alfheim, which, again, I chatted about in depth with the rest of the Norse realms in the Jotun episode, if you want to check that out. Alfheim was the home of the elves, and that means the Light Elves, the Losifar, and the Dark Elves, the Dokulfar. I actually found a really great extract describing these for you, and you probably guessed it, it's from the Poetic Edda from the 12th century, which we've talked about a million times before as, as the great book of origins for practically every Norse monster. But the extract is as follows. This which is called Alfheim is one where dwells the peoples called the Losifar, but the Dokulfar dwell down in the earth, and they are unlike in appearance, but by far more unlike in nature. The Light Elves are fairer to look upon than the sun, but the Dark Elves are blacker than pitch. The Losifar are known as being very friendly, wise and helpful to other races, whilst the Dokofar were hostile, secluded and known to even cause natural disasters. Within the Poetic Edda, it also discusses that the elves had a king called Alberic. However, they were completely ruled over by the Norse god Freya, and they were often linked to the gods of the Vanir rather than the gods of the Aesir, the usual Norse pantheon. Unfortunately though, this world view of elves changed from these two descriptions along the centuries with the arrival of Christianity. The elves were made into something evil, a dark force ruled by the devil, and people were no longer allowed to worship them or leave them offerings of any kind. They became feared and many spells and amulets were made to keep them away within Europe, which is quite a sad way to end their actual history. Now, of course, there was a revival in the 1900s with Tolkien's Lord of the Rings franchise. I'm so sorry, I'm going to talk about Lord of the Rings so much in this episode, I apologise. 
with the elves being the main race within the Similarian series and within Lord of the Rings, The Hobbit, all of the outside Tolkien influences as well, and bringing them back into modern media for us to enjoy in the current day. They are in so many modern media things, and really big ones as well, that you can't really deny that Tolkien bringing them back made that much of an impact. Lastly though, in history, I said I would get back to this, are they good or are they bad? Now, as you can probably tell from what I've just told you, it's quite complicated. It's kind of a bit of both. They've been both throughout history, and it's certainly debated within the fictional universes that they live in that they can be both malevolent and wonderful. Even, for example, if we take Galadriel from Lord of the Rings here, she very clearly has a dark side and a light side, which, sure, we can attribute to the ring power, whatever, but she does show that to our Fellowship crew, so we do know that they do have this dark side, even the lighter side of the elves. But now on to modern media, where, of course, we do have quite a few this week. For art, we have a few bits that I really like, such as Angselva or Meadow Elves by Niels Blumer from 1850, Avalek or Elf Play by August Malström from 1866, but I would really recommend looking up the D&D Warhammer and Warcraft designs, even the Lord of the Rings designs for some really cool stuff for these. They are probably the best bits of art you will ever see fantasy-wise with them and dwarves, so that's what I would really recommend. In movies, we have quite a few. Lord of the Rings, obviously, The Hobbit, Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, Thor, The Dark World, The Dark Crystal, Bright, Onward, Strange Magic, and Eurovision the movie. For TV, we have Disenchantment, The Dragon Prince, Hilda, The Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy, Phineas and Ferb, Family Guy, South Park, Futurama, Ben 10, Codename Kids Next Door, Fairly Odd Parents, Invader Zim, Regular Show, Men in Black, Buzz Lightyear of Star Command, Star Trek, Powerpuff Girls, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, Pair of Kings and Doctor Who. Obviously, I would highly recommend looking at the Lord of the Rings and the new Rings of Power series. I promise I'm not sponsored in any way, by the way. It's just literally the most perfect franchise on the face of the planet Earth. So <laughs> that's my big recommendation. In video games, we have ones such as Mabinogi, Pillars of Eternity, Scribblenauts, Elder Scrolls, Arcanum, Stonekeep, Overlord, Class of Heroes, Gaia Online, Kingdom of Loathing, Dragon Age, Dungeon Keeper 2, Heroes of Might and Magic, Dwarf Fortress, Thief, Lords of Magic, Rift, Warcraft, Majesty, Terror, World of Warcraft, Guild Wars 2, The Witcher, Warlords Battlecry, Deep Rock Galactic, Blood Bowl, Drakengard 2, Battle for Westnoth, Kingdoms of Amalur Reckoning, Carnival, Terraria, Them's Fighting Herds, Sam and Max Freelance Police, RuneScape, and obviously all of the Lord of the Rings games that come attached with that. <laughs> my book recommendation this week is definitely the Lord of the Rings series. Oh my god, this is so embarrassing. The Hobbit series, any other spin-offs from Tolkien's work, although they are a hard read, they are definitely worth it. I would recommend for any new Tolkien readers to start with The Hobbit, I would say to help with the names as well, I would always recommend, and I know this is very unpopular, but watch the movies first, and then you can put a face to the names, which I always find helps me, especially with fantasy genres. I did the same with Game of Thrones, I could not read the books, I just couldn't get it. 
which completely made the books readable when I watched the series and could then kind of go, oh, Amelia Clark is Daenerys, that kind of thing. For more factual stuff, though, you can look into The Secret Commonwealth of Elves, Fauns and Fairies by Robert Kirk for a really great look into the origins of all of these fabulous fairy-like folk. Now it's time for Do I Think They Existed? I guess it depends on what elves you're talking about, I suppose. I can tell you I'm pretty positive that the elves from Lord of the Rings don't exist, although I wish they did, as I would absolutely try and assimilate into that culture and lifestyle. They are fabulous, but the possibility of these beautiful woodland folk living in our forests is pretty slim. I guess the nearest thing we have is tribes that haven't been touched by modern culture, but they certainly are usually more violent than elves. However, I do think the idea of hill living or Christmas elves are a potentially mythical thing that could work. Considering in a lot of Scandinavia the elf houses still exist and are abundant throughout the countryside in Iceland and Sweden, especially with the Holder folk, I reckon these ones we can definitely get behind and we can get away with them being real little creatures. Christmas elves, I suppose, are the same kettle of fish. They're small enough to get away with existing and hidden away in the North Pole with Santa. Who goes to the North Pole? No one. However, I guess it also begs the question that if I believe that elves exist there, who says that Santa doesn't? Also, Santa is an anagram of Satan, so who knows? There might be something malevolent there. Who knows? I like the idea. But what do you think? Did the elves roam the earth? Let me know on Twitter. I would really love to know what you think. But it's a perfect time to cover this monster as per something new coming out within that franchise. Although I will say openly, I don't have the highest hopes for the Rings of Power. I'm a bit of a snob when it comes to new things coming out that I really like. I haven't sat down and watched House of the Dragon yet because I'm petrified that it would be as bad as Game of Thrones season eight and I'm not quite over it. So I really hope they'll prove me wrong. And I absolutely love elves, so there's a really, really good potential there, and they're an absolute pleasure to cover on the podcast. Next week, though, we are heading over to the huge continent of Africa for the first time in a little while, and we are looking at the legendary cryptid that has stalked the waters of the Congo since the 1800s. Yes, we are looking at the wonderful Makele Membe next week. So make sure you've got your Nessie hunting gear prepared for next Thursday when we come hunt for this legendary water monster. For now, though, thank you so much for listening. It's been an absolute pleasure. If you enjoyed this podcast, please give it a rating on the service you are listening on. I've got the Twitter for any questions or suggestions on what monsters to cover next, and I'd really love to hear from you. The social media handles for TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram are Myth Monsters Podcast, and the Twitter is Myth Monsters Pod. But as always, all of our content can be found at mythmonsters.co.uk and you can find us on Good Pods and Patreon if you want to help me fund the podcast too. Come join the fun though and share this with your pals. They might love me as much as you do. But for now, stay spooky and I'll see you later, babes.